Uh, hey, everybody. So this is a trending Twitter Tuesday. I got this trends on Twitter fired up here. It actually has trends for me. Um, so I guess I'll use these. I, I don't know if I've seen this before. It's been a while since I've used the Twitter app on my phone uh, for this, uh, but I took a picture of it. And tonight is it like actually like a special like this is a series not really series this is something we've done in the past is uh I turn it over the podcast there's like a lot of uh you know as I've tried to figure out ways to to at least have the podcast break even when labor comes into it that's been tough so I've tried to figure out other partnerships and uh, one of them is the the uh, seminar circuit circuit. Of course, Seminars Weekly said that I created the Seminar Circus. Uh, Scoot's in his Seminar Circus, and that's why I usually hire more serious people to do it. Um, but this is a new seminar. Like, I think, the, like, see, I can't remember what seminar. Also, I can't remember what seminars we've done before other than Bore to Win. And then I think there was one, but that was like a backstory uh about that crying cave one. I think that was supposed to be a seminar, but this is, uh, like, uh, I think this is Randolph Forsyth is this person's. So, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Randolph Forsyth. And this, this is an upcoming seminar that you'll be able to, um, listen to free now, but purchase, uh, oh no. Okay. Like, uh, how come like, I don't have a team, but Randolph has a team of people coming in here now poking, Okay, this is Rand, one of Randolph's assistants. Oh, the third. Okay, so it's Randolph Forsyth the third. Okay, one second, listeners. You know that uh, I'll never be able to spell Forsyth. Forsyth, I can barely say that. I can picture it in my head. You know, it's a nice, nice name. Forsyth the third. Randolph uh, Forsyth the third. I, I do have that. Oh, uh, but no, no, no. I know I'm not into the calling people doctors. Uh, listeners, I've called doctor for anything, but not on the podcast. I'm sorry. I'd have to see some sort of. Uh... Okay, well, don't. There's no reason to huff at me. This is a sleep podcast. So, oh, this is a live. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm going to turn it over. I guess so. This is uh, like uh, something special for you. Uh, all right. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm Randolph uh, Forsyth III, welcoming you uh, uh, to this uh, special audio webinar about boredom. And yes, I'm part of uh, Boredom Industries, a uh, burgeoning, uh, burgeoning niche uh, company providing value uh, through boredom. Boredom Industries, those are all things we're working on. That's why this webinar is for free. Now, you can also, you could, you you, you may be able to sign up uh, for our special, uh, you know, boredom life enrichment, you know, we're working on a life enrichment course, uh, and we'll have that up soon. But yes, I'm, I'm Randall Forsyth III, and I'm here tonight to talk to you about methodizing your boredom, uh, for success, wealth, and health. Uh, those are the, the, the pillars we strive for here at BI, Boredom Industries. Oh, excuse me. It can, no, I think it'll be better if I interview you, Randolph. Uh, okay. This was supposed to be a live webinar, though. Well, yeah, it'll still be a live web webinar. So you were talking about, uh, 
Well, happy happy Earth Day, by the way, Randolph. They, the listeners, every day's Earth Day, you know, in your heart. I do believe that is the case. I do believe that we live on the planet Earth, spaceship Earth, and that every day is Earth Day here, and that every day is a, a day to celebrate, uh, whether it's out loud or in quiet contemplation, our appreciation for the planet Earth. Well, that's that's great. I'm gra- glad we're on the same page. Uh, I like that quiet contemplation, you know, because what I like to do is uh, look at like uh, sometimes I like to look at the fog. Though then I forget which months fog, the fog's the best. I guess it's the summertime. Oh, that's excellent. That's uh, I guess that's related to the Earth. I would have never thought about. It. I guess you're right. You really have me there. You really do look at the Earth that way. That's interesting. Well, that's great, Randolph. Now I've been looking over my notes here. Uh, that your team gave me the notes to ask. Uh, uh, the, the, so tell me about the Roberson method of uh, methodizing uh, boredom and how you came to be part of the boredom industry team. And also, um, like, uh, what's boredom? Like, do, am I, do, do I have the majority stake in that? Uh, oh, well, I'm, I'm happy to talk about the Roberson method of... Uh, methodization of boredom and that's actually what this webinar is about uh, so i'm glad you got me started uh and, uh, boredom industries is a as i said we're uh, we're a company on the path uh, walking the path and searching the path to bring boredom to people so they can bring themselves health wealth and happiness and uh, good health uh, health wealth and happiness also, love we, we we that doesn't rhyme. What about ro- romance? What about fulfillment and romance? What, what love like uh, Plutonic love or uh, which kind? Which which ones? Uh, is there any agape in there? Okay, we were I, we were talking about the Roberson method. Uh, well, yeah, I'm just using another method to keep you. I'm going to keep you on track by keeping you off track. Well, many years ago. You know, they had this March for Science uh, recently. It was a wonderful showing of people showing they care about the scientific method. Uh, but there was also, uh, in addition to science, there's also myth and there's also tall tales and there's also fiction. And there's science that are pseudocized and, you know, like... Uh, and Dr. Roberson, many, many, many years ago, he came on a method. You see, they, they, he lived in a time uh, not that long ago, but long enough ago that it's unfamiliar to all of us. He lived in a time with where there was much more chrome, where the world seemed to be about to become all chrome. And things started to go from boxy uh, to rounded. And people started throwing around words like sleek and automat and free, you know, many things. This was, this was the boom years. And things started moving very, very fast. And the thing they don't tell you about chrome is it's shiny and it's heavy. And you shouldn't drop it on your foots. 
And while in our day people would march for science and they'd say, what about this or what about that or what about these things? Uh, Dr. Roberson, uh, he, he, he didn't really know how to get people marching against Chrome. He would complain about Chrome and he would complain about fast stuff and he'd say, what about the good old days? But no one wanted to hear about it. They wanted to, to have the latest inconvenience. You know, they, they said, when are we going to go to the moon? When are we going to live on the moon? Well, how soon till we have jet cars and robot waiters and maids and all those things? Okay, uh, Mr. Forsythe uh, third. Um Okay, we're, we're, so we have Roberson, and Roberson lives in the past in a chrome-based world. Is this planet, or, so this, is this, a, is this real? Oh, yes, this is real. It was in a time not that long ago in the United States, as a matter of fact, uh, where this was all happening. And cities began to grow, and there was lots of bustling. As I said, there was other things Things were sleek, things were bustling, but under all that, Dr. Roberson sensed a sense of, uh, of dissatisfaction. Even those with the chrome, you know, their smiles didn't shine the way the chrome did. Okay, so, so in, in a time not that long ago, Dr. Roberson decided that Chrome wasn't going to bring people happiness. And then Dr. Roberson did. Well, Dr. Roberson, he, he, uh, he, he, like you see, he wasn't very good at getting people to do stuff. But he knew, he said, this, this isn't going to get you. So he, uh, inspired by the comic books, he, he, he also saw the children. And first he said, these are no good. He saw, and then he was very disappointed because he saw things like X-ray glasses and rings with the power of electricity and all the, and then, but he was taken in by these superheroes. And as I said, he wanted to hearken back to a time not that long before where there was less bustle and less uh, sleekness and, you know, less velocity. And so he became El Clasico, and he donned. Okay, this does that sounds kind of I, I don't know. Like don't just barely describe it because I don't like. Uh, I mean that's like a big uh, football, soccer classic. Uh, oh yes, but even then, uh, he that that is right. Doctor Roberson did one. I think he did base it on that. You're good. You're good for size. Yeah, good. Keep re keep. I'm gonna keep redirecting you. And he wanted to be the hero of the classic things. The classic. He he wanted to bring the stuff back. And so he started a, a salon. Uh, he called it uh, the Chrome Free Salon, and he would invite artists and people of of you know. Uh, avant-garde. I don't know if avant-garde was his thing. He wouldn't have liked avant-garde, um, uh, Dr. Roberson. He, he did, he was into those, he, he started a salon, the anti-chrome salon. Okay, great. So then what happened at the anti-chrome salon? 
starting with a name change, probably. Oh, yes, so he changed it to to Sunday Fun Day. He changed it from the Antichrome Salon to Sunday Fun Day. But then he didn't have anything fun for people to do there. Uh, So that didn't work. So then he talked about, uh, he changed it again to serious conversations about serious things. Okay, so what was that? What was that like? So he had a salon, like those are like the things where people get around and they uh, they talk about stuff and uh, and stuff like that. So he was into talking about anti-chrome, the anti-chrome movement. Well, that was more of a symbol of what he was against. But yes, uh, wait, can can I just? I'm sorry, one second, uh, Mr. Forsyth the third. So you were going to do a webinar. Like a sleep with me sponsored webinar about this it doesn't seem okay. Well, I, you, I'm not used to working with a partner on this. I was going to just give it straight from my notes. So I'm attempting to learn this new method along with you. Okay, yeah, you're doing good. You're doing good. I just didn't. So, but if it, it just because like I'm having an like I don't know what. Uh, okay, well, don't worry, young man. I'm here to help you. I'm. Uh, uh, Forsyth the third, I'm on it, uh, telling the story of Mr. Roberson, Dr. Roberson. And what Dr. Roberson would do, eventually he found his method. This was, as we're talking about, was a slow process of many failures. But Dr. Roberson's, uh, he had a light in him, a distaste for chrome and everything it represented that was so strong that he wasn't about to give up. And so eventually... He he found he couldn't really talk about things, so what he started doing was describing paintings to people. And what he found was that people started to zone out, to stop to listen, as he would just describe every inch of this painting. And afterwards, after he did this once, just out of frustration, I can't remember, you know, maybe it was too much, uh, I don't know if they were, you know, t- testing out gases or something there. Or absent, or, but, but so someone said that was the most. I never felt more relaxed. It was their first trip, uh, and they said, "What? What do like? How? When can I come back?" Uh, and it was this very wealthy person, uh, Madeline uh, G. Green. Uh, Maddie was her name, and he said, "Well, you could you come come back right away." Uh, and then he, he said, well, I'll describe these paintings with, uh, and I'll put blindfolds on people as a relaxation process. And then he felt like he had his uh, thing. So he would describe, he was particular about uh, the Dutch masters. Is Botticelli one of the Dutch masters, uh, uh, Mr. Forsyth III? You know, you know, that's not the case, uh, but that's an Italian name. Okay, it's just like, uh, what about Vermeer? Is Vermeer a Dutch master? You're putting me on the spot. I'm not a, like, I'm trying to, do, I, I think probably, I think he probably is a Dutch master, but I'm not sure of this, the, these things. Okay, go ahead, uh, uh, Mr. Forsyth III. So uh, he would fill these rooms, uh, and once Maddie Green started coming, other people started coming. And at first, he, he decided to make it a slow thing. So they would say, well, what do you need from us? How much are you going to charge for this new relaxation? And he said, well, don't tell anyone what we do here. It's the secrets. 
and he would just talk about these paintings, the brush strokes, a bit like you. Uh, it's almost uh, a different kind of boring. Well, actually, no, it's the same. It was a little bit different. He would talk about the brush strokes. He would talk about the way the light fell. He would say things. I mean, I don't know if he said Vermeer, but that would be sound like something he would do. He'd say Vermeer, Vermeer, come near, Vermeer, Vermeer. It's clear. You know, things like that over and over again. And that is when he started to methodize uh, boredom. He started to decide and he started to lay out where you would start in the painting. And I know you're a little bit more of a mishmasher, but he would lay out the exact method. He even kept track of which, and again, I don't have access to his notes because this was all a big secret. Uh, his method, the actual method of which paintings, week one, you would have this painting of the guy sitting there with that hat and his, with the mustache or whatever. And he would lay out, and he had it broken into grids. But he also had it so that the person could interpret these things. But meanwhile, the whole time, while he was designing and methodizing it, he was still carrying on these salons for free. And he, so he, he was developing a method... Okay, he said that, thank you. So, so he was, okay, let me help you here. So he was, every every Sunday, did you say it was on Sundays? Yeah, because it was Sunday fun day. He would get all these, now were these mostly rich people? Oh, yes, these were the upper crust of society. Uh, because I think, because it was secrets, they would only tell one another. And Maddie Green was very famous, and she was, I guess, a socialite. So he, so it was very, very, yes, very powerful people, uh, coming to this and, uh, like, uh, listening to him uh, describe these paintings and they were relaxing. And then he would start to offer people to rub your feet or to wash your feet or to rub your back, uh, those things, uh, hand massages. And those he would charge for because he didn't have any investment. So he, he would say, well, these are optional things, but he never made any money. So, so it was very affordable still. At the same time, he went to those the same comic books and, and, and went to the companies and showed up at these companies. Remember, he said he had bought these, uh, you know, whatever, sneezing powder. He said no one ever sneezed or whatever those things and it was a rare thing that he found where these companies were. They just happened to be based in New York, and he was based in New York. And so he would show up at there, and, you know, right away they, they were, like, very nervous because they said, well, how did you know? And he said, well, the sneezing powder, like, he would blow the sneezing powder, and he would say, you're ripping children off. You know, this was a bit of a drama. At first, he came in with a dramatic thing so that they would feel on edge. And then he said to them, you know what, you're brilliant. And sooner or later, he didn't, I guess he didn't realize, Dr. Robson, that it would take many decades and decades and decades. And that in reality, it was only the, I think the internet that, uh, ended up doing in the, uh, the comic book business, uh, the comic the trade of those toy, those things. I don't know if you could still get them or not, but he wanted the business people behind it. 
and he pitched them on this thing. He said, well, you're selling all this junk. He goes, but you got to make the junk. And, sell. and they said, well, he could tell by their offices that they weren't uh, billionaires. You know, they were doing okay. He said, what if you sell something you don't have to make? And he said, you know, like these, he, he pointed out to them how to build your muscles thing or how to become an artist thing. And they said, well, that only works. And he said, well, don't worry. He goes, and we're going to sell it to grownups. And they said, well, what is it? And he said, a money-making opportunity. And they said, what is, what is it? And he said, well, it's a method, a methodized way uh, to a way to teach uh, how uh, to, re to to get people to relax in a way, and I think we could teach them. Uh, he goes, "Hey, hey have not, you you'll have to trust me." And they, he, they, so then they worked out a business proposal. Now there's one un un unspoken thing here that we'll learn about later, but it's not super important. Uh, and I guess it's it's still, you know, there's two sides to the story, whether it was Dr. Roberson or these these two gentlemen, uh, Mr. Paul and Mr. George, uh, that ran these uh, businesses uh, supplying the, selling the, the, the knickknacks and comic books. Uh, but so, so who came up with the idea? Originally, uh, Dr. Roberson was saying, you know, we could sell this method. I've methodized talking about paintings. And he said, you know, it's basically you just talk about the paintings, and it's a very simple step-by-step -step thing. He goes, the key is the marketing side. Instead of, in the end, it became an idea of how to sell ideas of how to make money. Instead of the methodizing of the boredom. But that's not where our tale goes. That tale went off one way. But our tale stays at Dr. Roberson's own salon, where he still each week was working out his method of doing this. I think he wanted, I, I don't understand, you know, we, I guess we could take the two tacks. Either he's a brilliant marketer, or Mr. Paul and Mr. George were brilliant, brilliant marketers. And I guess if if we assume, I, I don't know, I guess I'm, okay, so you, so you do seem torn, so let me take a second to put the spotlight on you, uh, uh, Mr. Forsyth III. What are you feeling torn about? Well, I feel like uh, Dr. Robeson really believed in methodizing this boredom, and I feel like there's another part of the story that's yet to be told, and I just don't want people to assume that all he cared about was selling a method uh, to sell methods uh, because that's not the Dr. Roberson I believe in. But at the same time, if I believe that Dr. Roberson's as brilliant as I do, I have to believe he knew what he was doing, which may, well, yes, I guess I understand. Can I, can I pat your shoulder while we talk? Yes, thank you. That's very nice. Well, um, I mean, it's under, you know, we live in a great gray world. It's hard to know that sometimes, uh, and so maybe all things could be true, or maybe how about this? We don't know exactly, but I'm enjoying your story and learning about Dr. Roberson. So why don't you keep going? We're back at the salon in New York City where Dr. Roberson is still mastering the method of, uh, what was his, was his intent? His, but it really his intention is to get rid of Chrome, right? 
Correct, correct, young man. I, I, I know. I, I'm getting there. I guess I, I, I just find this most interesting part. He said, uh, yes, each week after week, he would take a different painting. And then he moved on to other things beyond the Dutch masters. Uh, and he learned that uh, most people liked the Dutch masters. So then he went back to the Dutch masters. And then what he did was then Sunday nights were Dutch masters nights. And then Tuesday nights, uh, where uh, different, like, uh, what do you call those ones, uh, still life nights, and then Thursday nights, I think those were abstract nights. This was just as abstract, uh, was gaining a new toehold, and, and so, or whatever, I think he didn't even know, you know what I mean? So he had all these different, but his method still worked with all those things, okay, of his method of just standing there talking about the art over and over. It just really just seems uh, like you're missing something, like some kind of magic that's there, like that it's just not a method, that he's just sitting there and he's going through the painting block by block. Well, no, you, I mean, I, I'm telling the, the, the facts as they uh, appear in my notes, young man. And this is about the methodizing of the boredom. That it, I, I mean, I guess you, what I see is magic. Uh, uh, Dr. Roberson was taking his square of the painting, and he was finding a way to relay it to, to other people so that they could open up their own salons and do that. And, and, and that is what happened. It was with the, the, the backing of Paul and George, uh, that these salons started to spread across the country. Now, they were uh, tro Trojan horses, in a sense, uh, for the idea of uh, how Paul and George and maybe Dr. Roberson, again, I, I'm torn on if he's a part of this or not, but if it, uh, this was a way to just show the success of these salons uh, as a way to show that their method... Uh, of uh, money was uh, successful uh, so they could sell that method. So it was a, a lot of methodization going on. But yes, yeah, so so uh, Dr. Robeson kept at it. Thank you for that uh, nonverbal cue I picked right up on it tonight. You don't even, another nonverbal cue that you got me. Thank you. But so he kept at it and it, word spread far and wide and also the confusion that uh, every other city they were charging top dollar. And the Roberson students, but it was still also a secret. So it wasn't, uh, it was all by word of mouth in these social circles. And uh, so there was an allure to Dr. Roberson that no one understood. And there was also the issue of Maddie Green, for she was the wife of... Uh, uh, one of the faux asters, you know, one of the, like, uh, not, uh, Gerald Green uh, was her husband. And he was a, he was famous for pretending he was an aster. And then, but then taking the money, you know, and he became very wealthy himself, uh, but also a, a figure of great controversy, even though he repaid the money. You know, and the Astors kept it a secret because he had been pretended. So, so there was also another piece of history we don't know a lot about. But Gerald Green was famous for being the faux Astor. But Maddie Green was also unhappy. You know, that's why she was seeking out. And, and of course, if we don't, we do not know 
if Dr. Robeson and her were plutonic or agape or uh, amor, um, amor uh, eros, uh, as you said earlier. But what we, we're really here to question, young man, is uh, can you take a method like Dr. G- 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 Roberson's, a way to methodize boredom to get what you want? That is the question why everyone would be at this webinar if this was a webinar. And I believe the answer is yes, because what if we look at it objectively, yes, maybe Dr. Robeson wanted money, but really he wanted it was the end of Chrome. He was sick of Chrome and everything it represented. And so what happened from there? Well, I'll tell you what happened is that uh, Gerald Green and Maddie Green started inviting uh, Dr. Robeson over to the house because uh, Gerald Green... Uh, was getting more and more stressed from the fallout of being a faux aster and his desire to be a real aster. And then he, him and Dr. Robertson struck up a friendship because he, he didn't know so much relax when uh, Robertson was there doing the paintings and teaching him the method. But he was curious too. And he said, well, what are you really, why aren't you charging these people? You're charging them in these other cities in the, and he said, well, I, I don't know. Uh, and then something very fateful happened. And, and who knows if it was fate or intention by Dr. Robeson. But they had been out in the garden walking, the two of them, and talking. And, you know, the, Gerald Green just couldn't get his head around what uh, what Robeson was about. And uh, Robeson was uh, talking excitedly about uh, talking about Dutch masters and the word Vermeer. When he bumped his leg on the, the front bumper of one of Gerald Green's new cars, and he, you know, he said, "Ouch, ouch, ouch!" Chrome, and he hobbled around, and he pretended his voice was damaged somehow from banging his shin on the chrome. He said, "I don't know if I'll be." You know, he did a whole voice thing. This is this is from my collected stories that I've been collecting and researching this topic. I guess it's good we're do, we're not doing a webinar about this. Uh, like, I guess it, it, no wonder I'm behind this boredom industries, huh? Because you really ran off foresight. The third really sounds like you're going to make money right away. Well, Doctor Roberson did that. I mean, so. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, Gerald Green was very uh, upset about uh, the injury that uh, Dr. Roberson had, you know, at the accident, even though it was, you know, slight. And and they were sitting there and he was wondering, what are we going to do? Your sh- your shin is black and blue. You're saying your voice is hurt. And then Dr. Roberson said, I'll be okay. And then he was hobbling and pretending, you know, a false bravado. And it was a seed, though, that he had planted in Gerald Green's mind. And then he slowly started to unwind the salon. He said his voice wasn't right. But his friendship with Maddie Green and Gerald Green didn't dissipate. He started spending more and more time with them. But the salon slowly dissipated. And it went down to two nights a week. And it went down to one night a week. And then it stopped altogether. 
And then people, you know, then the demand for it, of course, increased. And he said, well, think about it. I'll think about it. And this was a very tight time schedule because people didn't have the Internet and all these distractions. So this was only over a few weeks. And meanwhile, he was spending a lot of time at the Greens, and Gerald Green felt very guilty. And one night at dinner, the three of them were sitting there, and Maddie Green just wasn't the same. You know, she couldn't get her boredom relaxation in, and they were talking about it, and Gerald said, well, I'm going to make it another. And then he said, isn't the irony? He goes, how much? And then they were talking about the car itself, and he said, well, how much did you pay for that car out there? They said, blah, blah, blah. And he said, that, that he goes, that bumper's going to outlast the car. And I think this, I don't know if this was a car made by the, I don't know anything about the Astors, really, to be honest. So I don't know, if, but uh, he started, Gerald Green was he, he perked up. He goes, what do you mean? And then uh, Dr. Robeson talked about the current style of chrome production because he loathed chrome so much. And apparently this chrome that they were making at the time was very high quality. It was very expensive. It was very heavy duty. And he was telling them all this. And then he just planted another seed in Judd Green's mind. He said, uh, he was, I've heard about this cheaper method of chrome production. Wouldn't last as long. It would save the car company thousands of dollars in profit and then the bumper wouldn't outlast the car. It was actually would be targeted for dates right around. He goes, the bumper would start rusting right around the time you would want someone to buy a new car. They probably could get in. in, in uh, and his business person, Gerald Green, started putting the dots together right away. And he said, well, who else knows about this? And Jer- or, uh, Dr. Robson said, well, no, no, sir. Everyone tells me news about Chrome. And he goes, I don't think anyone's put it all together yet. Uh, you know, because the whole idea of Chrome is the future. It'll be here in the future. And Gerald Green said, well, you found a Chrome that won't be here in the future. And he said, well, I, 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 he goes, I got to uh, get me. And then Dr. Roberson said, you know, they started talking about purchasing it. And Dr. he said, well, I could sell all the schools uh, to Paul and George, and this is how much cash, and it, it was a significant amount of money. It wasn't, it wasn't Aster money, but it was more that he believed in Gerald Green's idea, and Gerald Green started buying up all these secondary low-level chrome businesses. I think he's electroplating. I don't know if that, I don't know anything about the differences really, but it wasn't the it was a new way of chroming things, maybe, or maybe it was the way it was always done, and it was just cheaper ingredients. I don't know. I only know that Gerald Green changed the future of chrome forever. And it was because of the idea that Dr. Robeson had planted in his mind. And then what had happened for Dr. Robeson was suddenly he was feeling better. And as uh, the profits started to quickly pour in or, or whatever, uh, Gerald Green said, uh, Dr. Robeson, this is what I'd like to pay you, you know, on your investments. You know, he goes, you, you know, why don't I buy you out, but I'll still give you a very fair, fair deal. And Dr. Robeson was mar- immediately rich beyond his wildest dreams. And then... 
uh, Maddie G- G- Green said to Gerald, she goes, well, uh, you know, and then he said, well, okay, I get it. You two are in love. Uh, and uh, I, I, get, I wanted to build up to that part. That's why I put the question in your mind. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, it was a little So uh, they were in love. And then he started uh, doing way more of these underground things. But he brought it one level more underground. Because even though he had methodized things and sold his method and used his method to get what he wanted, the end of uh, high-quality chrome, and that one day in the future chrome would be would, would be substandard and rusty, and it wouldn't represent. It would be, you know, would represent the idea of the future gone sour. It brought him great joy for some reason, Doctor Robinson, a strange man. But he also started to let his method go, like his method had been programmed into his mind. And I think you know where you go. I'm going with this now, young man. I think you know. He became the first. Uh, practitioner of the bore down these were the first bore downs and that's why i'm here really it's a surprise for you that dr robeson actually there's no webinar i just wanted to come and pitch you on this book uh methodizing my madness the dr robeson story uh history of the father of bore downs and so he was the founder of the first bore downs i mean you could say these salons were bore downs but they were more a bore ins, a bore salons. Yeah, quickly, as people started to, the schools, you know, quickly went out, but then there was all those other people across the country who'd been trained and all the appreciators of the salons. And these became the first uh, customers and practitioners of bore downs. Uh, both the students of the schools who had learned Dr. Robeson's method and some of the fans who had said, well, I could do this in another way with a sculpture, or I could do this while watching a bird fly and describe the bird. And as you know, it, it swept across the country and eventually the world, uh, the, the, the idea of boring people competitively, but only as a, as a uh, you know, it doesn't, you know, I know you don't uh, do it, uh, it is demonetized, I guess, and... And I don't think there's any money left in the Robeson accounts. Uh, I think he spent all this money on non-boring things when he wasn't doing the bore downs. Uh, but yes, very quickly, the, he, he became the, 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 the founder of bore downs. Uh, now, now some would say that bore downs have always existed and they've always been there. But I think you really owe your existence, uh, to Dr. Robeson. And that's why I wanted to pitch you on this book to see if you wanted to support it. I don't, I, there is no boredom industries. I don't have a team. Those are, uh, actors I put up to it to bring me into your studio and book me. And my real name is Random Forsyth, Randolph Forsyth the third. But I, I, I know you're good at naming books too. So I was hoping you'd come up with a method of my madness. I heard you say that and I wrote it down. I don't know if that quite fits, uh, do you have so? What do you think of the idea? Is is that uh, something you're interested in? Is my proposal? So your proposal is that I record a podcast episode, 
to promote your book. Is your book written? Uh, not yet, no. Uh, it's a word, but it, you know, be by appearing on this podcast, I retain all rights. Okay, are you in a fugue state right now? Oh, I may be. Okay, so then you, you, there's different rights when you're in a fugue state. Uh, if you want a free book title, it's got to have Chrome in there. Uh, Bored Chromeless. No, that actually, whoa, actually, there you go. That's the book title, Bored Chromeless. The Rise and Fall of Chrome and Dr. Dr. Roberson. Okay, we're almost there. Uh, born, what did I say? Bored Chromeless. Again, I don't know if that's a wide title, though. I like it, so it's going to be hard for me to get over. Bored Chromeless. The Rise and Fall. Oh, no, what, what if we do one of those ones like uh, like the newer history books do? So Bored Chromeless. And this got to be something like like that. The hook comes in the uh, subtitle, Chrome uh, Dome. Okay, board Chromeless uh, Griffs. You know, it would have something like that. Griffs, uh, Con Persons. No, Faux Aster. I don't know. Hey, we'll have to work on the subtitle. But board Chrome, board Chromeless. Uh, Chrome, how about just Chromeless? The Fall of Chrome. Manufactured, well, I think board chrome, chromeless. Uh, I mean, you could have alternate titles like rusted, rusted chrome. I don't know. I think board chromeless. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate you coming by the studio. Um, under false pretenses is fine. That's an interesting story to learn the history of the board down. Though, you know, I know that, uh, that I don't know if that's, that's uh, is it, do you think that's really true? I do, young man. Well, I guess it could make sense. It would make sense. Uh, it would make sense because you, there's you're not allowed to wear any chrome at any board down board down. So that's been a tradition. So I guess you're correct. Uh, well, thanks for coming by. Thanks for uh, filling my audience in on that uh, interesting stuff. Really, so interesting. So so interesting. And uh, yeah, I hope uh, everyone out there gets a good night's sleep. Good night. <laughs>